guys and welcome to Tader's Life. Today I've got a really really exciting episode. Today I'm going to be talking with Lavinia and Lavinia is somebody that I found online loving her Instagram page and she's going to share all of her experiences about growing up in the care system and this is going to be part of the foster care month that I have on here. So without further ado let's welcome Lavinia to the Tader's Life podcast. Hello and welcome. Hiya, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And again, thank you as well for coming forward and sharing your experiences. I noticed on your Instagram that you do share your experiences on there. So it's going to be really, really nice to be able to like talk about that and like delve a bit deeper into some things. For sure. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm 26. Um, I was born in South London. Um, to parents that come from Jamaican descent and um, at the moment um, I am a writer. I'm also the founder of the Black Curriculum. My experiences are really around history and I yeah I just love history. It's one of my passions so oh, yeah. That's amazing and do you think that your history and well your love for history has come from your maybe family sort of um ascent from Jamaica and things? Do you think you have a interest in that sort of history? Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> so I feel like there's a part of it that probably comes from like asking loads of questions about where this person comes from, you know, um in my family like my grandma and my dad and so forth so I think there is a bit of like um history in the in the history of me digging in the past of like my family's um, origins and experiences before I came. So can you tell me when you actually went into foster care because if you're asking questions that like say from a young age um about your family we, did you go into a foster care at a young age then? I wasn't too young, no. I was old enough to, I guess, advocate for myself. Um, yeah. It's difficult as when you say, like, advocate for yourself, because I remember maybe when I was... So I went into foster care when I was four, so I didn't really understand what on earth was going on. But by the time <laughs> you're maybe 12 or 13, you do have this ability to just stand your ground and I think that's what foster care does to people it like I don't know maybe you get this quite a lot or had this a lot people say that you're really mature for your age and I think foster care yeah makes you mature for your age no for sure I feel like it's a double-edged sword though because that sense of maturity had to come at the expense of like a lot of other things that I think every young child is entitled to um but then at the same time it fast forwards you into knowing how to do really simple things like well things that we take for granted that actually aren't simple but maybe because we've had the experience of doing it so often and so regular they become really simple um, and it fast forwards you in, in life and life experiences more generally whether that's in work or relationships um but yeah I think I, I have got that a lot for my whole for my whole life really <laughs> but I think especially after leaving care yeah um I get a lot oh my gosh you're so mature for your age and yeah sometimes I even forget that I'm 26 yeah <laughs> what age would you say that you are like sometimes 
Um, I have a running joke that I'm a 40-year-old woman <laughs> in the 26 year old body. But um, no, 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 I'm very much 26. I'm very much doing 26-year-old things. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm proud of being mature as well. That's- that's amazing and it's something that you should definitely be proud of as well and like you know maybe there were experiences that were missed but you're you know you're an incredible woman and you're sharing your story and that's not going unnoticed either so I'm going to give you kudos where it's deserved um thank you likewise thank you so much and earlier you mentioned that you were an author of the black curriculum can you tell me a little bit about that and how your experiences has have played a role in getting that started and up and going? Yeah, so I am an author and I'm also the founder of the Black Curriculum. So basically founding the Black Curriculum led me to write my first book, which is going to be out very, very soon. And it's called Omitted. Um, but essentially, I, in my in my care experience, it's, it's going to be public knowledge at some point that I went into a PRU, which is a pupil referral unit. Basically, in a pupil referral unit, for those that don't know, what happens is that children who have been excluded from mainstream schools basically go into like this half a day type school thing um, where they do like, you know, classes. Ultimately, it's a place where young people who've been excluded are supposed to be given the opportunity to further their education um, and, you know, still have a sense of normalcy. Um, so in my experience going there, obviously there were students who had been excluded from two-parent households, um, students have been excluded from one-parent households, but the majority of people in the PRU that I went to had either been adopted or were in foster care. And I saw that in those spaces, um, how difficult it was to like be accepted in the sense of like, we carry these experiences and we shouldn't have to be treated any differently because of that. And I think like, even though we had difficult times in schools, it was in the PRU that I think we, as young people, like we bonded over the shared experiences and the outside world didn't really understand that. They didn't provide safe spaces. So one thing that I saw is that coming out of that PRU, not many people had an understanding of young people that go through those experiences in PRUs and the damage that's done when we're socially excluded even more. You think about being in foster care, that you think about being in excluded, that you think about being in a PRU, those are like, that's a triple exclusion from society. And I think that knowing of the people that I um, experienced that uh, time with, and seeing what happened in their life and like what they're up to and um, how society treats them, I was like, no, every young person needs to have a sense of where they're coming, where they're coming from. And also, I should say that the majority of students in the PRU were black. So again, for me, it's again like these institutions don't really care care for these students because they're not teaching them their history. They're excluding them even more, um, and they're projecting like these really racist stereotypes on them so like this idea that like um you know you're naughty and um because you're naughty you need to be basically like sent (laughs) like basically sent as far away as you can and I think those are stereotypes that are um historical so basically I set up a black curriculum to ensure that every young person 
has a sense of identity and belonging um, through the teaching of Black history, but also just looking more broadly at like how the school environment from the curriculum to policies can be more representative of the students that they have so that they don't get excluded and experience those things. So um, I think in short, like the Black curriculum is really rooted in my experience in a PRU and um, yeah, just witnessing like the sense of the lack of belonging, you know, so yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's really incredible what you're doing and in foster care. And I think especially if you're in a PIU and you're from the black community as well, that sense of belonging maybe is taken away from you. So the fact that you're right. able to give is something so special and you should really hone that. And, you know, as a even as a white woman, when I was in foster care, um, it was very much like, oh, you're not from this family, whatever. And I was, and you really feel it as well, even though I was, it, you know, I had the same skin colour as them. So I was wondering, when you grew up in foster care, were you put with any black families or was it mainly white, like, like white-skinned families? Um, no, so one thing I can always say is that I was put with black families. There's identities within identities. And I think that sometimes what happens is that in this country, we just label everything as like uh, black or BME or BAME. And like that doesn't mean anything because the black community is not a monolith. Like we're not just one group of people, you have Caribbeans. Within the Caribbean community or West Indian community, you have Trinidadians, you have Asians. And I feel like I was very blessed to have uh, people of Jamaican descent who were able to relate and understand um, some of the specific things that I go through. And also from like an economic standpoint as well, um, families who were uh, understanding um, of, yeah, my upbringing rather than being like, you know, super upper class, middle class and like just, you know, that, that sense of superiority or entitlement being a space that you have to operate in. So I think I was very, very blessed to have su support in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that probably went a long way for you and you really, really appreciated that sort of like understanding from foster parents. And yeah, it's really, really great that you did have that sort of space with these families so tell me a little bit more about when you went into foster care did you go into foster care with any siblings or was it very much an isolated journey for yourself um no i went into uh, foster care by myself because i i've haven't really I've done several of these um sort of podcasts with care leavers and things like that and I've never really asked like how that like affected you because I was really really blessed and um I went into foster care with my twin sister and we stayed together all the way through right pretty much till the very end and right. how how did it affect you doing this journey solo that is such a good question. And OMG, you're a twin. That's so cool. <laughs> that is really cool. Um, I always wished I was a twin. But um, I I think, you know, that it's a really good question because I think sometimes you take for granted the, like, the journey and um, how having family members within the same journey can be transformative, if not uplifting, to kind of, like, um, 
kind of ground you, you know, and take you out of your head. So I think um, I found family. I think that's what I ha- that's what happened. I I still have my family, you know. Um, my how do I say it? My actual born family, the family that I was born into, are still my family, and I'm still close with them. But I also have family that I've made throughout the years, um, in the system, right? And I'm very grateful for that. But I think how it probably impacted me is just, I think it goes beyond just like understanding that our experiences in this care system are or were um were hard but I think it's more about like I see you I know exactly what I see you like exact I know exactly what you're feeling and I know exactly what you need in this moment and sometimes it's not even a verbal thing you just you just get it and I think it's just having that ability to relate to somebody um so I'm very grateful for oh bless you really really yeah that's so true when you said you found family yeah like family doesn't necessarily need to be by blood like you know mm-hmm. the, the saying is like water can be thicker and blood and all of this x y and z no blood is thicker than water but <laughs> that, that necessarily isn't the case do you know what i mean like again like as somebody who grew up in the care system i would argue that my foster parents I'm more of a family to me than some of my blood family and you know my blood family wouldn't like me saying that but it, you know they they took me in at night they made sure that you know oh. it was on the table food and water was on the table and stuff they did all of those things so like there's no way that I can strip that from them because what they did was step up and that means a lot as, as somebody who's been through the care system. And I was wondering if we could go back a second. I was gonna ask earlier, but then I jumped on a bandwagon about something else. So I'm gonna go back for a second. Um, so you mentioned that um, you were in, what what was the school called? The P, the P- PRU. P-I-U. Yeah, it basically stands for a people, pupil referral unit. So when the schools refer them, that's where they go. And is, that so you do your black curriculum do you only teach I guess in those PRUs or are you more broad than that no we are everywhere um so over the (laughs) over the last four years since we started we've worked with secondary schools primary schools um PRUs prisons um just everywhere where basically there is young the recipients of that education are young people and sometimes adults as well that's amazing and when you started I want to say it's your business because it is your business when you started the business did you expect it to become what it's become (laughs) no I didn't I just knew that um I had to do it though because it was just too it was just too yeah you know it's just on your heart and it's just too urgent and you can just I don't know I feel like I thought about this today actually I think your experiences are not just for you when you're in this world we don't live for ourselves we live for others and I've been through certain experiences and I've had the privilege of being able to come out you know had to go to university we know that I think it's six percent of care leavers end up going to university it's a very rare thing you know and then also like there's been other things that I've been able to do 
even though I've been through some of those um, experiences in care. And so I just felt like this is something that's just on my heart. I have the network, I have the time, I have the resource to some extent, let me just try it. And I think when you have that mentality, like anything is really possible. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I really feel what you what you feel when you say that you had it on your heart like sometimes it's not even like a want to do it it's a need to do it Um, yes exactly yeah definitely so like even for myself with this podcast it wasn't that like I've, I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time but in terms of like getting young voices from the care system out there that's what's important to me that's extremely important so yeah I really really feel that and um when you mentioned that you went to university what did you study and tell me the ins and outs of everything (laughs) I loved uni I really did like um I, I say it wasn't the birthplace of everything but it was the space that I had a opportunity to allow my passions to connect with others and opportunities so I went to SOAS University in London and I studied African studies and development um I talk more about my uh, my experience ending up there in my book because it wasn't it wasn't planned but it was you know that I was there for a reason um so whilst I was there basically I did a lot of activism because again I saw things in the university that I was like "Uh uh-uh this is not right I'm not going to stand for this so I became the co-working class officer in 2017 to 2018 and then in 2018 to 2019 um, my friend and I set up up a um, society called Art and African Mind which basically uh, lobbied for black students to have um, support for their like mental health access to um, non-white reading lists um and just just better better support for them and yeah I guess the outcome of that was that we we actually created a new funded post by the university that is still in place today um and it's called the black support officer and another result from the co-working class officer activism was um we had I think over 92,000 pounds redistributed to students who came from lower economic class backgrounds that they, they weren't getting the money before and then basically we did a campaign and then the campaign went amazing actually and then yeah we got that result so I'd say university was a success in that sense like you know um, it was a space for me to practice what I wanted to do in the real world um, and yeah meet so much incredible people so I, I really loved university I'd go back, <laughs> maybe not to that one, but I'd go back into the space of learning. That's absolutely incredible. And the change that you've made for the black community and university is absolutely astonishing. Like I am literally in awe of like what you've done because that's that's what people should be using their voices for. Do you know what I mean? Like they making change in that way is absolutely incredible and like 
yeah, I feel really, really honoured to be having this conversation with you and being able to hear it from yourself because, yeah, it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. And earlier you mentioned how 6% of care leavers go to university. And I really do wonder what the percentage of like the black community in the care system, what percentage of them go to university. So it's probably even lower than that. So yeah, really, really proud yeah. of you. Thank you. And then also within that as well, I think we came across a statistic like years ago, so I'll probably have to go back and find out. But there's the numbers of uh, young people who are in care, but in, um, what, is the, what is the house board? What's the Tracy Beaker house board? I can't remember oh, the dumping ground. The dumping ground, yes. So if you're in the dumping ground, quote-unquote you're less likely to go so even that six percent is actually made up of students who are in foster homes not those who live in um oh like um a home with other a home yeah a children's home yeah which is essentially you know a lot of black students as well so um yeah i think the numbers there also are almost skewed as well because it's 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 privileging those who have that the resource of the support oh my gosh yeah. i did not i did not know that that's where that stat came from um yeah i'm going to do a little bit of research and i'm going to fill out the description box with like facts and statistics about this because i just i'd find it really really interesting myself just to be able to research it a little bit more and when you went to university you said it was like a space for you did you feel like you were finally yourself and i asked that from like my own sort of experiences when i went to university it was like the first time ever that it was like it was hard it was hard i'm not saying it wasn't but when i first went to university it was very much like this is a space for me now like i don't have to answer to anybody else now like yeah. i really grew <laughs> and yeah just wondering if you felt the same that's amazing that you felt like that a hundred percent. Yeah, I think for a lot of our lives, like especially when you think about the school system, you think about the care system, the social workers, you're always reporting into people, you're always having to like monitor, you're always having to just basically look behind your back, like who's watching me? And I think the same thing still exists in university in the, in the sense of like your market, you know, marking, doing papers, exams, but you're free and you're at a stage where like your sense of self can be explored without judgment and you know I don't know anyone in that place so if I decided that I wanted to come in with blue hair and um I don't know a different name like what's anyone going to say to me you know what I mean so I think it was an opportunity for me to actually just express in the wildest way <laughs> with the anger that I think I had stored up for years um who I was and what I stood for so yeah I loved university for that that self-expression and yeah man I think it's crucial. That's incredible. And hopefully now that the numbers will continue to rise and that there is change going to happen. I recently spoke to um, Alistair. I can't remember his surname for the life of me. I think it's Alistair Cope. And he's basically the head of Foster Wales. I know that's not London, but he's the head of <laughs> Foster okay. Wales. And mm -hmm. he was mentioning how he, you know, he started this, his role about a year ago. And okay. it's a five to 10 year plan, these changes, like, you know, it's not gonna change overnight. But mm -hmm. I spoke to him and I like shared 
experiences that maybe he was like oh young people go through that but like again if you haven't been through it people aren't sharing their voices and everything like that like how are the people making the decisions meant to know um so hopefully there is going to be change being made and especially with the work that you're doing as well and um i have like two more questions if you don't mind so um, you mentioned um that you went to university but did you feel that there was a pressure for you to go to university and again like i'll explain why i asked this as well so when i decided to go to university i decided from like quite a young age i think i was maybe like 13 when I had this sort of desire to go and for me it wasn't to go to university to maybe academically better myself it was to escape and it was because I felt like there was no other choice so really like put my head down and stuff like that and I was like you know unless I go to university I'm going to be stuck in this sort of loop like a vicious cycle so Tell me a little bit about how you felt when you were approaching the age where you were like, gosh, university is just around the corner. Um, okay, so I think your your experience there, I think I can draw parallels between that and my experience going to college. College was the time where I was like, oh my gosh, there's a bigger world out there. Um, there's opportunities to learn, reinvent myself, try something different, find different friends just re-energize my life so I think university was just a continuation of that but um I can go back to college because college was like you know it was actually my friend who was like I'm gonna go enroll (laughs) can you can you come with me I was like yeah yeah sure then when I got there I was like damn this is amazing they offer this 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 and that so I enrolled um and yeah I think I think for me it just gave me the the feeling of um taking control of my life which I think to some extent unfortunately wasn't always in my power being in care yeah definitely and that's really really incredible and like you know you really proved to yourself that like the care community and everything like that like anything is possible like it really it really is as long as you have the resources in place and I think that that is the sort of difference like people say like oh you can do this and x y and z but if you're not if you don't have a computer say for example or you don't have a phone and stuff like that how are you meant to do certain things so you know there's a there's a whole level of um change that needs to happen and yeah absolutely incredible what you're doing and my last sort of question is is there any advice that you would maybe have given your younger self when you were in the dark times and you know maybe you felt like that you were struggling to cope and didn't really see a light yes um I'd say firstly well done for um getting outdoors um and finding trusting the right person to talk to so I'd say that's like the first thing then I would say um I would say plan where you want to be in one year in three years in five years dream big um and take your first step to to get there but you have to write down 
where you want to be and give yourself give yourself a timeline definitely and I think that's really really good advice like you know you've always always got to have goals to aspire for otherwise what's the point you're gonna get lost on this sort of path you need to have be headstrong and get there and yeah I'm extremely like extremely proud of you and I'm really happy that you found the time to be on my podcast and share your experiences so thank you thank you for all your work I really appreciate it oh stop it (laughs) (laughs) without without I'm really really happy to end the podcast I feel like we've covered a wide variety of things that I don't think I've spoken about in any of my other foster care podcasts that are going to be going out this month which is very exciting and I can't wait to listen to um this and all the other ones that are going to come as well so keep doing what you're doing honestly thank you lovely and thank you to the listeners and I'll see you guys in the next one bye guys